Dave, Charlie Johnson, Evan Walton, Dima Evans, Christy Young, Tom Pope, Jim Hobson, Lee Nelson, Katie Kraut, Wayne Stevens, Carl Walker, William Josh Ball, Terry Howell, David Joyce Smith, Bob Chris, Andy Ball, Michelle Fisher, Paul Dickerson, Mike Brisbane, Mark Woods, and Hannah, Sandy Stephen, Kathy Dyer, Loki Horn, or Patty Horn, Sister Patty Horn, rather, Rhonda Hall, Amy Wright, Jason Messer, Doug Merchant, Judy Felty, Jim Spigs, the Sark Twins, Stephen Newell, Jared Stevens, and then we have River Cancer, Les Kierberg Hamilton, Daryl Feather, Rodney Lay, Vernon K. Conlon, James Harlow, Jack Lincoln, and Sarah Matt Hart, George Bellinovac, Shelly Stevens, Jane Clark, Deborah Jones, Mother Broomfield, Selena Smith, Bill Tackrell, Matt Nelson, Elder T. Horn, there we are, and then we've got James Spencer, and Patty Smith, Randy Elton. Great missionary, great brother Super Rob, he's come here for me. Sonny Norville, great missionary endeavor, great philosophy labor, great leader we have, and people that serve us. In our area, there's a peace force, there's now. Frankly, elderly, and frankly, minister church here, and they never do beyond doing for God's blessing for all these ministers you do. Pray for pastors, he ministers the church to us, ministers to the church by all the way, travels and speaking otherwise. Pray for the nation Israel, the nation Ukraine. We have these battles in the field, pray for you, Walter, Ken Stewart, Nick Quito, Zach Powell, White Coffee, Andrew Mayall, Ken Pope. Professor Bilbeck, the medicine, and also as your next given. So we let the prayer for all the evening. We pray God's blessing upon those that we have no prayer with them, and with any other about it. God knows that they pray God's blessing. Intervene in your situation. We love all about it. Pray for every part of it in your prayer place. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you this evening so thankful for the privilege to, to be able to do so. Lord, as we do, we pray for each and every name and need that listed there on that list. We know that you know each and every need more importantly what we know, you know each and every resolution. But we just do pray that you have will be done in those. Lord, and as you do so, Lord, you receive the glory that you deserve. We do pray for the remainder of the service. Lord, that each and every song was sang, Lord, the message will come forth. Lord, that it would be a, a blessing unto you, Lord, that it would be helpful to each and every one of us grow closer to you. Lord, we pray for the words that goes forth. For, Lord, you prick the hearts of the lost. Lord, make the night be the night that they come to know you before it's eternally too late. Lord, we do love you. Give you all the praise, honor, and glory. Say us all in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right. We're going to get to the old priest up there tonight. There's everybody talking out here. When we do that, you have to take the hand. They want us to say, if you don't want for help, I'll be over to the group. This is Debbie's first one, that's it.
might just got in trouble. I hope not. If you would like to turn your Bibles this evening to the book of John, the Gospel of John in chapter 15. Tonight we're going to be dealing with the work of the Holy Spirit. I know that we have, we have taught on this before, but I've had some questions here of late about a certain part of the Scripture. And I just want to bring something out tonight to help us to realize what God's Word says concerning the work of the Holy Spirit of God. 
Now we understand that the Holy Spirit of God is the third person of the Trinity in the Godhead. You have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It is God the Holy Spirit that really does a work in salvation as far as making man to where he can come unto the Lord. Now, in saying that, I want to also have you to understand that the Bible declares that God commands men everywhere to repent. Now, as we deal with these two things, I want you to consider with me this evening something that maybe you have never thought of before. And that is the conscience of man versus the spirit of man. I'm talking about the spiritual side of man and the humanistic side of man, the conscience of man. So these are the things we're going to deal with this evening. In John 15 and verse 26, the Bible says, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. In John 16 and verse 13, the Bible says, How be it, when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth, for He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall bear, that shall He speak, or whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak, and He will show you things to come. Our most gracious and divine Heavenly Father, Lord, again as we bow before your throne, we do so with thankful heart. We thank you tonight, dear God, for your great salvation. We thank you that your word had pricked our conscience and it caused us to become aware of our situation. And it was by the work of the Holy Spirit of God that moved upon us that quickened us and made us alive and enabled us to come to Thee in salvation. So Lord, tonight as we open up this Word, I pray, Lord, that there are those that may be here who do not understand. Maybe there are those that are babes in Christ. Lord, I pray that You open their mind to the truth of the Word of God. Father, we have many young people that have even this year been saved by your amazing grace. Open up their understanding, O oh God, that they may come to terms with this thing uh, considering the Holy Spirit of God. So Lord, I pray that your name will be lifted up in this house. May you be praised in everything that's said and done. We ask that you forgive us our sin in Jesus Christ's name, his sake that I pray. Amen. Emmanuel, to our visiting friends, tonight's message will insist on the believer's ability to acknowledge the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives from day one to the day that we go home to be with the Lord. Just what is the occupation of the Holy Spirit? What is His purpose? What is His role? Or uh, what is His role of leadership in the life of those who are redeemed. Now this evening it is 25 minutes to 8. I do not plan to be long. But I do want your undivided attention this evening. And I pray that your mind will be opened up to some things. That may be hid to you in the word of God. I pray that you will come to an understanding. Maybe you're here tonight and you're lost. Maybe you've had questions about this 
uh, a situation known as salvation. Folks, I want you to know tonight that you're in the right place. You're in a place tonight where you're going to hear the gospel. You're in a place tonight where once that gospel is brought forth, it's either a savor of life unto life or death unto death. The one thing's for sure, it will not return unto the Lord void. God's word is going to find its mark tonight. Maybe you're here tonight and you don't know the Lord's your Savior. Listen, tonight I pray that number one, the Bible states that we will become guilty. There is a clause in the book of Romans and uh, it tells us that all the world shall become guilty. That's a reason why tonight that you, you'll never hear of an innocent man, woman, boy, or girl, whatever the case may be, who will find themselves in hell as in innocency. So tonight, I want to open this up to our minds, and I want your undivided attention. The first thing that I want to speak on tonight is that the Holy Spirit's work is in convicting the sinner. In John 16, Verse 7 down through verse 11, the Bible states this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will what? He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. Here we can conclude that hell has not one innocent person within its borders. As a matter of a fact, in Romans in chapter 3, the Bible states here, if you'll turn there with me, Romans in chapter 3. And this is one thing that I kind of brought out to our young men last night. I want you to have an understanding of what God's Word says. So, you know, just like I told them last night, don't be, don't be playing with your neighbor. Don't be insisting on, on doodling or whatever. Grab your Bible, pick it up, and, and get an understanding of what God's Word is saying to you because that's, that's how important the Word of God is tonight. It's important because that even as a youngster, as a youth, the Word of God is able to make thee wise unto salvation. That's what Paul spoke to Timothy about. So I know the power that's in God's Word. But tonight I want you to look at this. In Romans 3 and verse 19, the Bible says, Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them that are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Now, as we look at this portion of Scripture, I want you to know, and I've stated this already twice, there is no innocent people in hell. You know, I've heard people say, well, well, what about, what about the, the man or the woman that's, that's in Africa or wherever it may be 
There is no innocent people in hell. The Bible states that even nature itself is a testament to the fact that there is a God who is to be worshipped tonight. Amen? And that even goes to the most ignorant person. And I use that word in a like manner, but, but I want you to know, I'm talking about when I use the word ignorant, it is unlearned. And I want you to know that there, even the most unlearned person in the world can look and see nature and know that there's a God that says, I am to be worshipped. You may not know all the facts of it. You may not know all the doctrines and all the, all the things that God's Word says, but the one thing I will say to you, that nature itself says you need to worship that God. In John 16 and 8, we go back for just a moment. The Bible says, and here we see the Holy Spirit's work in announcing that all are guilty. Here the Bible declares, if you go to the book of Acts, and if you remember, you know, a lot of times I heard people use this in the wrong sense. When they talk about Felix, when Paul was talking to Felix and Drusilla, when Paul had been speaking to King Agrippa, King Agrippa said, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Almost, but not quite. We go back and we think about what Felix said, you know, as, as, as Felix looked at Paul, and the Bible states that after Paul had preached to him the word of God, the Bible states that Felix trembled. Now, why did he tremble? Because the word of God made him guilty, okay? I'm talking about his conscience. I'm not talking about his spirit. I'm talking about the conscience of man. That's the reason why today that all men that hear the word of God Somewhere or another in their lives, they feel guilt for the sin that they are. They, they, they have come to an understanding that, listen, and I still believe that there are no atheists. The very moment that an atheist so-called dies, he's going to find out that there is a God. And he should have been feared, and he should have been revered, and he should have been respected. They know it all along. Because their conscience has told them so. Now, we're dealing with the conscience. Remember this. There's a difference between the conscience and the soul of man. When you're dealing with the conscience, man is able to feel guilt simply by hearing the gospel of what men done to Jesus Christ. How that they hung Him on a tree. Listen, even before the, they hang Him on the tree, they beat him. They whipped him. They pulled the beard from his face. They spit upon him. They whipped him with a cat of nine tails. And then they would load the cross upon the shoulders of our Savior. And he began to walk through the streets of Jerusalem to the, to the place called Golgotha. And of course we understand that there was a man, Simon, who was, who was compelled to bear the cross on. Jesus Christ, listen, had been beaten so severely he had been whipped so severely. He had, uh, he, had, he had already been bleeding so, so, so much. that he was so weak in the flesh as far as his physical being. But he's not weak in the spirit, was he? 
He went all the way to the cross of Calvary and that pricks the hearts of men. The book of Acts speaks about the fact when Paul and even Peter had been preaching the word of God, the gospel, that the hearts of those men that they were preaching to, they were pricked in their hearts. That means their conscience was touched. It does not necessarily mean that their spirit had been affected, but their conscience had been touched. Now those who continue to refuse the glorious gospel, now listen to me, if you're here and you're lost, I need need your attention because this is very important. What if you have... You have come to a term in your in your life and your in in your time that you're here upon the earth. You had heard the gospel time and again. You had heard the gospel preached, and and you've seen how the effect of the word of God came upon your heart. How it made you feel sorry at times. There's coming a time when that conscience is going to be seared. You're no longer going to feel the pain and anguish of a gospel message. Isn't it a sad state of affairs when you can no longer feel pain or anguish over hurt and sorrow of somebody else? Listen, the Bible stated that Felix trembled. Why? Because of the words of Paul concerning the faith in Christ. God's holy word makes mankind guilty and the Holy Spirit convicts mankind after the gospel comes forth. It pricks the hearts of individuals. That's the reason why Paul stated in Romans in chapter 1 and verse 18 that he was not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? Because it was the power of God into salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So tonight as we, as we think about this, this thought of the Holy Spirit's work, one of the first things that the Holy Spirit will do, it will prick the hearts of men. It will prick the hearts of sinners. It'll prick the heart of an individual who hears what happened to Jesus Christ because of their own sins. And it'll cause them to feel the guilt. But be sure that you don't ignore that too long because there may come a time in your life when your conscience is seared and you no longer can feel the sorrow and anguish of a Savior who went to Calvary on your behalf. Now secondly... After the sinner is made guilty by the word, listen, the sinner, those that are, those that are not just, a, I'm not talking about just a, a mental state here. I'm not talking about just a, a, just a feeling, but I want you to know the one thing that the Holy Spirit of God can do is once he pricks that heart, once that man feels that guilt, and listen, no one's ever going to be saved unless they're sorry for the sin that they have been and that they have committed. No man will ever be saved unless they repent and be converted. Now, as we deal with this thought, you know, I've heard, I've heard all this easy believism stuff till really I'm sick at my stomach. I want you to know something if you've never felt guilt for your sin, you've never come to the Lord Jesus Christ with your sins in your hands, you've never felt sorrow for sin, I have a question about that kind of salvation that never feels sorrow for their own sin. 
You know, I, I heard an individual one day when they were when they were getting baptized, it was almost like a football game. I mean, man, they were they were jumping and hooping and hollering and going to the uh, going to the baptistry and and I thought, my goodness, there's nothing even real about this. You know why? Because the, they had never felt the sorrow of sin in their own lives. That's one thing that the Holy Spirit will do to you. It'll make you feel your own worth when you stand before a holy God of heaven. You'll understand that you're a sinner in need. And listen tonight, don't turn away from this message. Don't you turn away from this preacher who's telling you the truth. Listen, the Bible says if you don't feel sorrow, you'll have nothing to repent for. You need to feel that sorrow for your own sin. That's what makes repentance possible. You have something to repent of. So as we look at this, you know, we go back, we think about John chapter 3, and we think about Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a man who, who came to Jesus Christ. And, and the Bible, as, as the Bible speaks about Nicodemus in verse 5, it spoke about the fact that, that a man needs to be born again. A man needs to be born again. You know what? That don't just happen just out of the blue. I had a person tell me one time that they was walking along the road and they'd never... They'd never thought nothing about salvation. And all of a sudden, it's like a, like a ball of fire hit them in the back of the head and they got saved. You know what? I have to question that kind of salvation as well. Because you have to hear the gospel. You have to know that you have, you have to hear the, the glorious word of God. The Bible says without the hearing of the word, listen, no one will be saved. So as we look at this, we think about faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You see how, how it works there. But in John chapter 3 and verse 5, as we look at this, we see uh, a Nicodemus and his reply to Jesus Christ. Christ began there to proclaim the truth and the Holy Spirit was introduced. When you think about the water of John chapter 3, how, you know, this is where a lot of people say, well, that's where the water, the baptism of watery grave saves you. No, the watery grave does not save you, my friend. It only points to that which has already happened in your life. The water that is spoke of here is the natural water. We're talking about the physical sense now. How man is born through the water. Now, you know, we're dealing with the physical here. And that, that's the people that Jesus Christ came to die for, was those physical human beings. He didn't die for the angels. He didn't die for entities uh, that, that were never born but created. He died, for, he died for people just like you and me. People who came through the water of birth. But there's another part of this I want you to get a hold of. There's also the which you know the water speaks of the natural birth, but we see this word spirit represents the new birth of the spiritual side. How did that come about? The Holy Spirit of God, once one has been preached, has heard the glorious gospel. Listen, their conscience has been has been made to feel the anguish and pain of suffering of Jesus Christ. In other words, their hearts have been softened. 
I'm talking about the physical sense of man. I'm talking about his conscience now. So don't get those and things mixed up with the spiritual side of man, but I'm talking about his conscience. Once that man feels his sorrow, once he has repented and see himself as a, as a sinner, listen, the Bible says that that Holy Spirit regenerates that man. His spirit is what's regenerated. The man's already alive physically. That's not what's been renewed. What I'm talking about gets renewed is that spirit of man. You see, the spiritual rebirth is what changes man. You can say all that you want to say. Now you can do all you want to do, but listen, that's not going to bring the feeling of relief and peace to your heart. The only thing that's going to bring peace to your heart is to know that you've been forgiven. And where does that take place? In the spirit of man. In the spirit of man. Ephesians 2 and 1, it says, And you hath he quickened, in other words, made alive, who were what? Dead in trespasses and sins. In Ephesians 2 and verse 5, I'm going to continue on here. I only have one more point and I'll, I'll, I'll be finishing up here. But listen to this in Ephesians 2, 5. The Bible says, Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved. Colossians in chapter 2 and verse 13, notice what it says here now. And I'll move right on. Colossians 2 and verse 13, the Bible states this, And you being dead in your sins, and uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he what? He's quickened or made alive together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses. Now this here is the sense of the Spirit. The Spirit of man is what the Holy Spirit changes here. This word quickened in the Greek is a word that means to make alive with. It is zyzupoli. And it means to make alive with. And in 1 Peter 3 and John 6, 63, we have the word quickeneth in the Greek. It is zoopoli, and it means to give life to. John 6, 63 states that it's the spirit that quickeneth. In other words, it makes the spirit of man alive. The flesh of man, the conscience of man has already been made to feel the guilt of sorrow and pain. The Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, then makes one alive to the point that they see themselves as God sees them, dreadfully in contempt of His holiness. So we look at that now, and I know I'm moving quite quickly here, but I want to close out with this third point. This third point of the work of the Holy Spirit is is so important to us who are saved, it's the sealing agent that comes to those that are redeemed. This is what keeps you until the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit of God, it's like the ark, and when the ark was, when the ark had the pitch applied to it, you know what it done? It sealed the ark. Water couldn't get in and nothing could get out. No did no rot came in or anything. Listen, 
That's the same way it happens with a human being who is saved by the grace of God. They are sealed with that, not the pitch, but the Holy Spirit of God. The pitch represented the Holy Spirit of God on the ark. The pitch represented that sealing agent. And so that's one of the most important things for you to get a hold of here tonight. Listen, this being sealed is the preserving aid of the Spirit of God. In Ephesians 4 and verse 30, here I want you to notice what it says here. And I know this has been a little bit of a different type of a message tonight. Maybe you're not used to this. Uh, maybe on Wednesday nights we normally do a study of some sort. But this is one thing that was asked to me to, to talk about and I thought it would be good, a good lesson. Listen, in Ephesians 4 and verse 30, notice what it says here. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are what? Sealed until the day of redemption. That means that while we're here in this body, while we're on this side of eternity, that Holy Spirit of God keeps us. The Bible says that we have that lively hope within us. That's that Holy Spirit of promise. That's that Holy Spirit of God. Listen, this being sealed is the preserving aid of the Spirit of God. So here in this term, the word sealed in the Greek means to put a mark on or an object to show possession or security. You know, you remember maybe some years ago I brought lessons on out of the Old Testament of the, of the, the dealing with the slave. You know, back in Exodus... And the slave of the Old Testament who wished to stay with his master, there was a certain thing done to him that marked him. You know what? You that are saved by the God's amazing grace, you have a mark upon you as well. Now the slave of the Old Testament of Exodus 21, verses 1 through 6, if that slave wanted to stay with his master, what the master done, he would take him before the judges. And they would bring out an all, and the judges would ask the slave, are you sure you want to stay with this master of yours? And the slave would say, yes, I want to stay with my master. Number one, he might have had a wife who the master owned, and if the master owned the wife, he couldn't, get, he couldn't leave her. Now, what they, you know what they would do? They would place that man up against the doorway and they would take a sharp awl and they would place the awl upon his earlobe and they would drive the hole in that earlobe and that marked that slave for that master. He, was the, he would never leave the master's side and the master would always tend to him and care for him. You know what? That's the very same thing that happened. Uh, you think about it when, when Aaron and his sons when they were marked, they were marked as well when they were set aside for service. They were marked with, with the blood of a sacrifice on the earlobe and the big toe. Now I want you to think about that for just a moment. They're marked. They're marked and they're set aside. And that's the way you are when the Holy Spirit gets through with you. You're marked and you're set aside. There's nothing can take away your salvation. That's the reason why Romans 8 is so important to me. Who can lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is it that condemneth? 
So, you know, I ask this question tonight. Who is it that condemneth? When God looks at us, you know what He sees? He sees the blood of His Son. And we are sealing of the agent in the Holy Spirit of God. Because 1 John tells us that we have three witnesses. Amen? Now listen, one of those witnesses is the Holy Spirit that lives within us. He'll never leave you until the day of redemption. And that day of redemption is simply this. It's the day when God's people have been taken to heaven. Now I want you to consider this with me now. As we get ready to bring this in to a close, I want you to think about uh, the thing of being set apart here. We're protected and you're sanctified. You know, we go back to 1 Peter, and these are the last two scriptures that I have. And I want you to consider this with me now. In 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, verse 3 down through verse 9. 1 Peter 1, verse 3. The Bible says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Do you, do you not understand that this is the greatest thing and the greatest offering to humanity today? is the fact that we can have an inheritance in heaven that can never be squandered or taken away from us. No one can ever lay claim to that inheritance. It will never be taken away. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold, that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, in whom though now you see him not yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory." Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. You see, that's what happens when we leave this life and go to the next. We're living by faith today. Today we live by faith. We walk by faith. There's coming a day when faith is no longer going to be needed. That's when we're in heaven, when we see Him face to face. You no longer need faith then. May God help us to see that. And I close with this. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. Who called you out of darkness? Was it the preacher? You know, a lot, of, a lot of preachers act like they're the ones that save you. Listen, I can't save a soul. I can't save nobody. But I can point you to the one who can save you. There's a lot of lay people today walk around and they tell you everything you got to do to be saved and they never once mention God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They never talk about the work of Jesus Christ. 
They never talk about the pricking of the heart of the Holy Spirit that does to mankind. I feel sorry for people like that. They try and remove the Holy Spirit out of the act of salvation. And folks, it won't work like that. It will not work. <coughs> but you're a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of Him who have called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, Abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul. Having your conversation honest. God's people need to understand what it is to be saved and live like Christ would have you to live. Listen, in this all in all these things that we have spoken of tonight on the Holy Spirit, know this that the greatest work of the Holy Spirit is making people aware of the fact that there's a God in heaven. How does he do that? Well, number one, through the Word. The Word pricks the heart. And regardless of who you are, now I've seen men that walk off from the, from the house of God who had heard, a, heard the glorious gospel who act like they've never been pricked in their heart, but I know that they've been made guilty because God's Word says so. Let me ask you something tonight. Do you still feel guilty over it? I hope you do. Because once you quit feeling guilt over the, over the death of Bear on resurrection of Jesus Christ. That tells me that your conscience may already be seared. You know what that means? There's no hope for the unrighteous whose conscience has been seared, who's been turned over to a reprobate mind. You study that out. That reprobate mind is one who thinks that everything that they've done is right. But when they come to God at the judgment, they're going to realize. They were all wrong. May God help us and may God help you today. If you're here and you don't know the Lord's your Savior, I say tonight, trust Him. Come to Him tonight. Lean upon Him. The Word of God has already opened up your ears. As a matter of fact, Romans chapter 10 and verse 8 says, "What The Word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. Now folks, tonight God's Word is here. Salvation is possible to you who will come unto Him. Just like that Philippian jailer. I've been using that Philippian jailer for three or four weeks now. But listen, it's a real test of salvation. What did Paul and Silas tell the Philippian jailer? They said, believe and thou shalt be saved. You wonder, you wonder about salvation? Hey, listen, believe what the Bible says and thou shalt be saved. Let's all stand, please. Our most gracious and divine Heavenly Father, Lord, as we bow before your throne tonight, we do so with thankful heart. Dear God, tonight I thank you for your blessing of giving us the Holy Spirit. Also for the blessing of the Holy Spirit pricking our hearts when we heard the gospel. How it made us consider ourselves and think about the things that took place at Calvary. Lord, I pray that you will soften the hearts of men today. I pray, O oh God, that you would convict them of their sin and show them their need to repent. May this be the hour, O oh Lord, that you save souls in this house. Bless us tonight, save souls and save lives. Father, forgive us our sin in Christ's name. And amen. Have our song leader, our pianist to come. Go 385.
385.